Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. My name is Kyle, and today I will be continuing our fall series through the book of Psalms as I read and reflect on Psalm 86 and share with you what God has been teaching me uh, in and through this psalm. So let me pray for us that God would uh, just open our eyes to see Him in His Word uh, and that He would just use this uh, to challenge and shape us and conform us ultimately to look more like Jesus. So let me pray. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. We're just thankful for your grace, for your goodness, Lord, how you care for us, how you're interested in our lives, how you're not a God who is distant uh, or disinterested, Lord, but you have chased after us in your love, how you have sought after us, by going to the cross, by shedding your blood on the cross so that we could be reconciled to you, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that you could show us mercy and grace, so that you could seat us with Christ in the heavenly places and receive just the abundance of his inheritance based off of nothing we've done, but purely from your love and from your grace, all for your glory. Lord, we're thankful. We pray that your spirit would just open our eyes to your word and that you would just teach us um, to love you more. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 86, um, starting in verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day long. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me, You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Amen. So first, I just want to start off by sharing a little bit of context uh, of this psalm. So ultimately, this psalm is a, a prayer of David. And the situation he's in isn't particularly clear, but we do know from this psalm that David is on the run 
or at least that there are these these men that have risen up against him. He says, a band of ruthless men who seek his life. So he is in danger. His life is in danger. And he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know doesn't know how to respond. And he is in need of God's provision and God's strength to deliver him from just the difficulty of this, this present situation. And so the first thing I want to point out is David's willingness to admit his need. This is something God was just challenging me with in this text. My willingness to admit how needy I truly am. I think too often we associate neediness with weakness um, when really in in God's economy and God's kingdom, the, the truly the ones who truly are powerful or who have strength are those who are weak and who are willing to admit their neediness. The fact that they need God, that they need his grace, that we need his mercy, that we need his love, that we need his strength, and that we need his provision. You see, the reality is neediness, to be needy is to be human, right? It, it is normal and natural and, should I say, God-ordained to be needy. God created us as humans to have needs, needs that need to be met. First and foremost, just physical needs, right? We all need food. Like we need nutrients. We need our bodies need something to sustain them. We all have emotional needs, right? In our, in our families, as, as you grow up, like you hear about the fact that, that babies need physical touch. They need that love and that comfort uh, of a mother and a father, and that protection, that security in, in their home, in their environment. Emotionally, we have needs. And then even spiritually, we have needs that ultimately only God can meet. We know that Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity was imprinted, was, was written on our hearts. We have a need for communion and for relationship with God. So the first thing that that challenged me from this text, from this Psalm of David, is how willing he is just to admit that he says, I am poor and needy. I, I almost I see him in this first section of verses one through seven as this little child just crying out. It literally says that he he cries all the day. He's crying out to, to God like a little child saying, help me. I, I am I need you. I need your help in this present situation. And I think too often in our Christian lives, we receive the gospel, we receive the love of God, we receive his grace, and then we try and just move on and do the rest of our Christian lives by ourselves in our own power, in our own strength, which is, it, it's, abs- it's impossible. I mean, Paul tells us in Romans that it is impossible to please God in the flesh, that it's only by his spirit that we can even have a spiritual life. It's only like the Christian life. We enter into relationship with God through what John three tells us. Jesus tells us is the new birth. We can only enter into the kingdom of heaven by being born again. And that work is done by God. It is God who ultimately brings us from death to life before Christ. 
before the spirit works in our hearts, we are dead in our sins and we are separated from God. So the only way to even have a spiritual life is to admit your neediness for God to come and bring you from death to life. The spiritual, our, our Christian lives start by us admitting our neediness for God to do a work. And the rest of our Christian life It's not as if now we can just do it on our own. The rest of our Christian life must be lived from a from a heart posture of neediness and dependence on God. To like in in verse four, when it says gladness to gladden our souls, to provide in a way that only he can provide a kind of comfort, a kind of peace, a kind of supernatural rest and security that only he can provide. So the first thing, I'm just going to repeat it again, that I, that God is just teaching me through this Psalm in verses one through seven is just the ability to be needy. The application here is the fact that self-sufficiency is the great enemy of our spiritual lives and that God calls us to a needy trust that is a a proper, is, is the right heart disposition that we are to have before God. The next thing I want to point out in, in verses 8 through 13 is David's willingness to move from this from this neediness that almost kind of would seem like it's leading towards this kind of self-pity. And to, he moves from that to look outside of himself and to set his eyes on God, whom he says is great, who has done wondrous things, the one whom all the nations will come before in worship. He moves from this, this kind of self-focused view of his situations and looks outward to see how great and wonderful God is. And, and so often when we are suffering, when we are dealing with hardship, we need to look outside of ourselves and get a grand view of God to realize that our life isn't about us, <laughs> that our life is about this glorious and good God and to remember the wondrous things he's done. And so David says, for you are great and do wondrous things. And I can't help but think that first he thinks back to the Exodus, right? The fact that God delivered his people from bondage, that he split the Red Sea, that he stopped Pharaoh in this, this nation that would was definitely more powerful and would overwhelm them that God delivered his people from slavery. And then also, I think when he says that you've done great and wondrous things, he, he must also think of his own personal experience, right? How God had delivered him as a shepherd as he fought off lions against these sheep that he's protecting. And how God had protected him as he fought Goliath and helped deliver the nation of Israel from this war against the Philistines. And how God had delivered him from the hand of Saul as Saul sought his life and how he was on the run and how God had delivered him from that present situation for surely like in this moment, he needs to look outside of his present circumstance and remember all the wondrous things that God has already done in the provision that he's um, in the ways that God's provided. And then finally uh, I want to just something else that sticks out in verses 14 through 17 um, is the fact that David his final request, he doesn't appeal to his right for God to be gracious to him. He doesn't appeal to his own work, to his own um, kind of 
yeah, just to his, his own righteousness. He appeals to the goodness of God. He appeals to who God is. In verse 15, he he quotes Exodus 34, 6, which is one of the most quoted scriptures by scripture in all of the Bible, which is where God reveals himself to Moses. He reveals his name to Moses. And he says, um, and in verse 15, he says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I think something to remember, something that I needed to remember is that my present situations don't communicate truth about who God is. Like my present experience with people or with situations in my life do not reflect the nature or the disposition of God towards me, right? My hurt, my frustration, my... um whatever is going on is not reflecting who God is. And so we need to get outside of ourselves. And as we appeal, as we make a request for God to deliver us, we don't appeal to our own righteousness or our own reasons why we deserve God's favor. Rather, we appeal to God's graciousness. We remember who our God is. And we ask that he would show favor, that he would show grace, that he would comfort us in the midst of our afflictions. And so just as a, as a quick recap, as an application, um, I, I want you to remember, I, particularly as the section of this psalm that stuck out to me was just the neediness of David, the ability for him to admit how poor and how needy he was for God to show up. And I think the reality is we will only experience the fullness of our relationship with God when we admit how great our need is before him, when we come to grips with the fact that we are utterly and in desperate need of God to even provide desire for God himself, right? So if you're lacking in your Bible reading, if you're lacking in your prayer life, if you're just lacking in your relationship with God, period, pray that God by his spirit would give you gladness in your soul as David asks for in verse four right? It's okay. It is not okay. It's right and good to admit your need for God to provide belief when you're lacking belief, to provide faith when you're lacking faith, to provide joy and desire and delight in him when you're lacking those things. So we need to admit our great need before God and trust him, trust his character, trust his goodness, trust his faithfulness, and trust that he will provide um, in us in a way that only he could possibly do. And as we forget, um, as we, as we begin to doubt God's faithfulness, we continually look back to the cross, uh, where love wasn't only spoken, but where love was demonstrated in Jesus death, um, and in his glorious resurrection. So let me pray and, um, and we will close. Father, I, I thank you for this psalm. I thank you for the way that David demonstrates um, just how we need to be needy before you and how you uh, provide and how we can appeal to your graciousness, to your mercy, to your steadfast love. Um, I pray that you would just help us realize our need, confess our need, um, and trust that you will provide for us um, in a way that only you possibly could. Lord, I pray that you would just work in our present hurt and in, in situations and circumstances, um, and that you would just comfort us by your spirit. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, I hope this episode um, will just encourage you in whatever situation and circumstance uh, you're going through. And I hope that you can just have a heart posture of neediness before God and trust that he is good and gracious and that he hears you, he sees you, um, and that he will provide in only a way that he possibly can. So you've been listening to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's word in a way that transforms us. I hope you all have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you.